song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. I'm Bill Bohr. And this is kind of a follow-up to uh, a previous podcast uh, that was entitled Sleeping with the Enemy. Uh, Our theme in that podcast was dealing with trying to be a Christian to yourself. How How do you let the fruits of grace work its way through all of you? And, uh, and today is a little bit of a spin on that. You know, what do you do, or not what do you do, but how do you enjoy and appreciate the good things in your life, the, the parts where grace is dwelling, um, the season of your life that is going well? Well, I'm terrible at this, so I don't have no commentary, so it'll just be a monologue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. I think something I was saying in a sermon a couple weeks ago, which actually someone emailed me later to ask some qualifying questions about. But I said one of the things that I think we have to learn to do in life is is hold things loosely. Because if if we can't hold them loosely, when and one of two things happens, that you and, and the person that messaged me was thinking that I was saying don't have attachments, and if you don't have any attachments, life will work out. And I said I wasn't saying that. Okay, I didn't think you were, but I was saying was if you hold things too tightly, when they're taken away from you, you inevitably collapse, right? Because you kind of set your life around this thing, and life is just fragile. Anything that we have that's good can be taken from us, or we can be taken from everyone that cares about us, and pretty quickly. Or what happens is it, you wind up holding it so tightly that you can't enjoy it because you're always afraid that, oh gosh, this thing is so great, but what happens if I lose it? And so then you start trying to build hedges around it. And, and so you smother or you, 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 I mean, the problem with the biblical tradition with idolatry, right, is that any good thing, any in creation, we tend to, if we have any good exposure to it at all, we tend to confuse it with the creator. And what's dreadful about that is you not you don't just lose the connection with the creator from it, but you lose what the thing could actually mean to you because you can't hold it loosely. So we've all had friendships or, you know, that just were unendurable. Or maybe we were the unendurable friend because the, the person couldn't hold us loosely. And, they, and, and we were their kind of North Star and you get smothered and you're, you're weirded out. So maybe part of it is seeing the finitude in the happiness. You know, I, I'm trying to have a talk here with you about happiness and I get Kierkegaard instead. 
I wasn't trying to. <laughs> I thought I sounded upbeat. I, no, I, no. I, I think I'm upbeat right now. You actually, part of what you were saying there is from Kierkegaard's works of love, which actually he was in kind of his happy, crazy, ecstatic state when he wrote that. So Kierkegaard ecstatic. He did. He, he was. He did get happy at the end and then die. <laughs> but no, I, I think I think you're right. I mean, the idea of it, it, in some levels. Um, uh, you know, I love the book, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, but, and, and sometimes being is, is, that's what's wrong with the, with the life that's not rooted in grace or love or substance. Uh, it, it feels remarkably light. But I think there could be a, a, a lightness that comes from having your right gravity. In other words, mm -hmm. uh, Augustine said, my love is my gravity. And so if, if we have, if we have, a, if we're rooted in the right gravity, then, then maybe we can be light enough. The image I have is a as a kite. You know, mm -hmm. a kite is a beautiful thing if you can work it. And part of what makes it work is it's free in the wind and it's held firmly by hopefully a, a person knows what they're doing. And you know, I, I I think these good times in our lives are are really to be um, be enjoyed. And I think. Um, it's easy to pray when there's need. Uh, there's, e it's easy to pray when you don't have other options. Uh, it's easy to pray when you're experiencing despair or guilt or frustration. But, but I think, and I think that's, you know, we can be critical of it, okay? We can come up with this kind of harsh discipleship that says, oh, you know, that's, you know, there's something wrong with us that we only pray when we have need. But isn't the very nature of God is God and I'm not recognizing my dependency? Yeah, in the beginning of Bill Maher's Religalist, he's talking with these truckers, right, at a truck, truck stop chapel. And I remember him saying to them, well, look, I understand faith in a foxhole. I understand faith in prison. You know, because, hey, when somebody there says, all I got is Jesus. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'd be in that spot too. But I mean, you know, come on, you guys aren't in that situation. I mean, faith. So it was interesting that, like, Bill Maher, having who is you know no fan of religion or theology, having this at least sympathy for the person that has faith in the hard times, but doesn't understand it in the uh, in the times that are less hard. The other thing from that conversation I remember was one of the truck truckers said that he was he, he was into Satanism and he was running around he. Drugs and prostitutes and wads of hundred dollar bills in his pocket. And later, Bill Maher's saying, "Yeah, he said he's got drugs and women and money. What was the problem? <laughs> I don't know where the breakdown was." Right. Yeah. For Bill Maher, worshiping the Prince of Darkness wasn't yeah, wasn't a problem. It seemed like it was paying off. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think though we often think of dependency because as adults, when we have to be dependent on God, it feels like failure. Yeah. Okay. But if we're come to God as a child. Children do not experience their dependency as failure. I mean, um, you know, it's hard for me to remember that season in my life. Um, but I remember it in my children's life, and I can see it in my grandchildren's life, and I actually just came from running a chapel at a preschool, and so I, <laughs> I just was surrounded with this. How did the Kierkegaard references go with them? 
Well, I, I was more talking Pascal this morning at mm-hmm. Kids Chapel. Well, well, there's wagers, games. Exactly. You know, we'll, we'll get the we'll get it's the card, card next week. But um, but there's a great joy in dependence because, mm-hmm. at some levels, you can even say there's a freedom because I know what my boundaries are, or they're not even conscious of that. There's a sense of trust. Now they'll sometimes, you know, they'll push boundaries, but you know, there's nothing better than just what you know being in the background and just letting a child play and exist. Uh, that's part of my problem with all this over-intervention with parents is we can, all, we, can, we can schedule the spontaneity and play out of a child at a way too early time in their life. And so maybe part of these times are good things. There are good things happening in your life. There's good things happening in my life. And... I think I need to be as conscious as, of being grateful as I am when things are not going well, of being conscious of just, just you know, Lord, get me through this. Yeah, and I think the thing about when Jesus says, unless you are like this child, you, know, you have to come to me like a child, you know, that, that, that children are kind of at the heart of the kingdom. There's the dependency and there's an inability for a lot of guile. I mean... I think if, 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 if a 7 or a 77-year-old, if someone under 7 or over 77 tells you you're unattractive or your outfit is awful or something, kids don't use words bad, but, you know, if they say something, uh, it's probably true. You might be insulted, but it's true. I mean, because before 7, you're, probably, you're not that skillful. At, 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 and over 77, you realize that you might not have time left and you start actually telling the truth again. But in between 7 and 77, most of what people tell you is totally unreliable, at least a lot of the time. But children don't, you know, when they're scared, they're scared. When they're happy, they're happy. When, you know, our niece Lillian just comes over and immediately starts, we have this chalkboard wall and starts drawing and tells us when to come in and look. And, oh, you're going to be the queen today. You're the sentry guard and you're the... And there's just this, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no guile at all. Like there's this, this sort of kind of, what you see is what you get. And I think the danger is when we get really wounded is that we lose that ability too early. Mm. And then sometimes it's hard to get it back. You know, we kind of build up defenses and walls. But yeah, I think that childhood, the dependence and the just kind of what you see is what you get in this uh, is beautiful about children. Yeah, you know, I had an experience maybe 15 years ago or so, and I probably, it's probably ended up in a sermon or something, but it was a particularly great day. And I remember at the time thinking, this is probably going to be one of the 100 best days of my life. Wow. I thought that. You know, it was just a perfect day. And it wasn't, it was extraordinary in its ordinariness. You know, and I got to be around people I loved and, and just saw one of my sons just having pure joy. All right. Now, there's part of that that's okay to think about, okay? But that only that only works, and I've, I've changed that. So if, if I ever use that again as an illustration, this is what I'll say about it. But every day can be one of those hundred days. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking of a, a great section, and I, I, guess, I think it's screw tape letters. We also lose the screw tape letters, letters where the uh, head dean is, is giving advice to the under demon. And part of that advice is to, to never let uh, the subject think about the now. Hmm. Either have them think about the past or particularly have them think about the future because the now is most like heaven. Hmm. 
it seems to me that if we can, you know, uh, can, can do something about grasping the goodness of a, of a moment, and that can be as much as, you know, enjoying a good season in your life, um, enjoying a great cup of coffee, sunsets, uh, watching your children or grandchildren, um, holding hands with the person you love, uh, that first whiff of, of fall air, uh, you know, the autumn breezes. You know, whatever, whatever gives you delight, I think has an opportunity not only to lead you to heaven and think about heaven, what heaven is or what eternity is, but then it should circle back around and help us enjoy the, the nowness, the eternal nowness that is present when we are present to the, to the moment. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I read about a study a couple of years ago. This is three, maybe three or four years old, but for the number, I would need to be adjusted, but the, the, the figure then was in a culture like America, money does buy you happiness up till about $75,000. Because the quality of life you have, like things like debt and anxiety and stress right. or a car that doesn't break down, you know, every two months, these things. But above $75,000, like what you can get, the kind of lifestyle you can live at $750,000, the happiness doesn't go up much. The, the, the meter doesn't move up that much. That, that you know, if, if you got under 75000 some things like a reliable car or better food, it, it can actually really improve the day-to-day quality of your life. But once you hit that $75,000 threshold, you're kind of just trying to run up the score or something. I mean, the... the 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 the, Jag, the Mercedes is not really that much better than the Nissan. It doesn't increase your quality of life. The the you know super expensive coffee isn't really much better than the Starbucks you could get at the supermarket. You know even the kind that you don't grind your own that's been sitting there. Like it kind of that's interesting. A lot of what we think could be improved on in life if we just had more. Just had. It's not true. It's actually not true. I, I, this is a true story, too. Years ago. Um, and by the way, none of the stories we say are true unless we preface it with it's a true story. So just go back and listen back. And then, because it's, it's true. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I took a bunch of kids on a weekend. And any of you who've ever done youth work, uh, there's nothing worse than getting back from a weekend with kids and having parents late to pick them up. Because I loved youth work, um, and I absolutely loved when it was over, the weekend was over. And so I'm just tired, and I just want to go home, and we're waiting and waiting. And uh, as a beautiful young girl, um, her parents were very rich and powerful and prominent people, um, even on a national level. And about an hour and a half late, and this was pre-cell phones, uh, or at least I didn't have one at that point. And um, the mom pulls up in a brand new Mercedes convertible, um, laughing. Oh, I just forgot about her. And she turned to me, the, the young girl turned to me right before she walked to her mom and said, I wish we could give it all away. Mm -hmm. So I think that just illustrates something we really all know. We may forget it as we're struggling financially or trying to move up the income brackets, but that's 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 very true. And so, you know, cultivating a sense of of the now, being being present, uh, enjoying the good things that are happening 
uh, happening around you. You know, I um, I once was uh, sitting with a woman, a beautiful, wonderful woman, in her late nineties. Uh, just one of just a beautiful soul, inquisitive, bright, and she was dying. And uh, <laughs> she said to me, she said to me, she goes, you know. I don't mind death. It's just this dying part I'm not too crazy about. But a week before she died, she said to me, she goes, I know I've had a full life, and I'm thankful for that. She goes, but I would like more. Hmm. And I think this person um, just had a great, great faith, but she got it. She understood that there was something beautiful about, about, about this gift that God has given to us. And, she had more years than most, but she would have been happy to have a few more. I had, this, I had this experience a couple weeks ago. I was walking in the city late at night in Philadelphia, and I was catching a train back home to the or northern suburbs, and I found $40 just sitting on the ground, like two $20 bills, which, I mean, like, you don't, like, I, I never find, like, $5 just laying around the city. It's like that, like, I used to just, like, die when I was a kid on the boardwalk at the beach, like in the arcades. I was like, maybe I'll find a quarter on the floor of an arcade. It's like four I mean forty dollars. It's like and it was remarkable. I th- but then I realized something like uh, that day was wonderful. Like several things happened that day. An appointment that I had some anxiety about that went incredibly well. Uh I had an interaction uh, I with a friend that I was able to kind of give them permission to kind of have some needs and just, it was nice. It's very pleasant. And I ran into a friend from college. I hadn't seen him. We saw him on the street. We wound up chatting for a while and reconnecting and just, I had so many. And then when I came, came home, I was able to talk with my wife about things like about the day and just so many things about that day. I'll remember. Hmm. I don't know what I did with the $40. And that was only a couple weeks ago. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm sure we, I, I might have bought another train ticket or something, but, but that $40 in the moment just seemed like this. But it was the thing that was least lasting about the day. Hmm. Yeah, that's neat. Um, so I guess I can't ask to borrow 40 bucks from you. You can. It just wouldn't be that $40. <laughs> well, I wanted that $40 because it sounds like it was magic. Yeah, or or sacramental or something. Well, I, mean, I think kind of, there is a kind of like it, it's like the serendipity. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was symbolic of all the good things you found that day that you weren't expecting. There's this great story I read about a couple of years ago. It was this guy who was the he's the he, the guy who told it was the chaplain to the papal council. So this guy basically his job I forget his name now, and I think it's a different guy now. But this was Benedict the Sixteenth guy. You preach to the Pope and, the, and his advisors during, like, Advent and Lent. That was his gig. And so he told this story in, a, in an Advent sermon, which is apocryphal, but, you know, it, it's great. If it, if it didn't happen, it should have. So there's this shepherd who has all this anxiety and feels inadequate because he's going to see the newborn Jesus, and he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have anything to bring. He doesn't have anything to offer. So he's afraid to get close because he doesn't have a gift. And finally, he nudges his way close because he really wants to see, embarrassed of his empty hands. And, and, and the Blessed Virgin looks, and that's the only place she has. She needs a break, and that's the only place she can put Jesus. Hmm. And so sometimes in the moment when, you know, things 
maybe we just need to look because there's moments where they seem ordinary, but they're ordinary in a blessed way. Maybe that's where Jesus is somehow proverbially putting our hands. Yeah. You know, what I've found uh, over the years watching people um, in some of the worst times of their lives uh, and in the midst of tragedies and you name it, um, they don't always get the miracle they 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 ask for, but they, they usually get the miracle they need. Hmm. And and I've seen a lot of joy in some really tragic moments. So, you know, there, there there's a kind of inevitable <laughs> end game for all of us. But it seems to me that we need to appreciate the grace that is given to us to enjoy the now. You know, for instance, I, I'm going to get personal here. I actually think what I would say to you uh, during this good season of your life is that I think you you do deserve this time. And I'm glad that you're having this good time. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to use those terms with lots of people because we'd live in such an entitled age. But I, I actually think it's good for you to know that you deserve these things. And I think many of you out there who are struggling, um, it's good to know that there are there are gifts in, in your future that God wants. Don't be afraid to enjoy them. Amen. Been a fool